Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 26th of June 2016, entitled A Heavenly Citizenship. And the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you this morning to stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word taken from Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Verse 20 says, for, but for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. May the Lord richly bless the reading of his holy word this morning. You may be seated. As I prayed and sought, as I mentioned earlier in the service, a lot of events this week in our lives, a lot of events that hit people closely, none more closely than the departing of this world of Sister Diane. I can only say I was totally shocked early Tuesday morning when I got the news. And of course, it's always those mixed emotions. You know, it's hard sometimes to, to feel those emotions of how much. I can say this, and I can say it without any shadow of a doubt. Having had the privilege to be her pastor, I don't know, I lost years, had to be close to 20 years. And there are very few people that have been a greater encouragement to me. I count it a privilege to be able to be anybody's pastor. I feel sorry for those that have to depend upon me to be their pastor. But you know, she always had a word of encouragement. Even when she didn't agree with me, she was always so loving and gracious. She even had to protect me from him sometimes. <laughs> if you know Peter, you know that he'd tell you real quick, words are not his strong suit. And sometimes some of those emails I get on Monday morning, if I didn't know him and know how much he loved me and I love him, that I knew that there was grace hidden in there. Oh, no, what have I done? You know, he's ready to kill me. <laughs> and there was a few times when Diane would say, he shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> he should have shouldn't have said it that way. That's not really the way that he meant it, you know. And of course, I knew that. But I'm just saying that, you know, it's not just anybody. It's somebody that has a very, very, very special place in my heart. And then in this life, I am going to desperately miss. But you know, at the same time, rejoicing. I know that many of you knew that she'd been ill for some time, and yet most people didn't know just how much she was struggling. It became pretty obvious over the last few months when she wasn't able to be at church as she always had been. Good or bad, she had to be really, really bad not to be here for the service. <laughs> But she wasn't able. She just didn't have the strength to take her out 
to go anywhere was such such an event for her. But you know, God was with her each step of the way. I'm thinking on these things. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> i got to hold it together, but I want to. Lord, I, I just want something that will encourage the family on Sunday morning that will be there. <laughs> Not We all know lost for words. I've said many times, you know, I don't hardly remember anything that anybody said to me at any funeral for somebody close, whether it was my dad or someone very, very close to me, but I remember them being there. I remember their care. I remember their prayers. Then come along the referendum, and people are feeling so passionate about it. I mean, literally like the country is on the brink of just literally failing to be here anymore, falling into obliteration if the vote goes the wrong way. And, and of course, as I said earlier, one of the things that shocked me the most is how that after the referendum, those that are on the losing side, everybody on the other side suddenly is so stupid and ignorant and don't understand anything. But you know the real problem, you know what brings that? It's not seeing their own self-pride that they're the only ones that have the answers, I can assure you that most people leading up to the vote, most of them were really, there were very few of them that were so adamant. Most of them, they were fearful of this way and fearful of that way, and which way did they fear the most, what was going to be the best in the long term because they could see pros and cons and whatever the way. And, and more people probably voted out of fear than anything else afraid of what would happen if we stayed or afraid of what would happen if we went. I knew very few people that were so adamant about it because they knew so much about it. You know, I just, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what may happen to the economy of the United Kingdom. I mean, following on the footsteps of that, then the prime minister chooses that he can't lead anymore because of the vote and because he put such passion into it. So he steps down, and so there's a lot of uncertainties. I don't know. The economy may be worse, maybe better. It may go one way for a while and then another. I've got news for you. The United Kingdom has been here a long time. The United Kingdom is the fifth largest economy on the face of this planet. It's not going to cease to exist because of what took place this week. There may be good and bad that comes out of it, and probably some of both. But what I want to remind you of this morning is if you're here and you're an unbeliever and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've probably got a whole, as a matter of fact, I know you've got a whole lot more to worry about than we that have our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because you see, I know who's really in control. And I know who's in control regardless of whether they're taking the votes in Brussels or whether they're taking them in London. I know who's on the throne. And you know what? How many of you here this morning have one of these? What is it? A passport. What does that mean? It means you're a citizen of what? The United Kingdom. I don't have one of those. I got a better one. <laughs> Mine's blue. <laughs> that means I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Guess what? 
My wife's got a red one and I got a blue one. <laughs> All my kids have one of these and most of them have one of these as well. <laughs> but it's a simple document that shows our citizenship. What does citizenship mean? Well, the dictionary says this. It's the status of a citizen with its rights and duties, the state of being a citizen. So what's a citizen? A native or naturalized person owing allegiance to and entitled to protection from a government opposed to alien. I've said before, and some people look at, I do believe with all my heart in alien invasions. <laughs> and one day, this earth will be invaded by aliens from out there, and I promise you it's going to happen because Jesus Christ is coming back with all of his saints to set up his kingdom upon this earth, and I've got news for you. All those saints are citizens of heaven, and they are aliens to this earth. There will be an alien invasion <laughs> right now. I know I may look or not look like it, I'm an alien. <laughs> I'm an alien in this country. <laughs> My wife was such an alien when we lived in the United States that she had a little green card that was called an alien registration card. <laughs> it proved that she was an alien, that she could show people. Some of you have got those same things. Well, see, as, as, as I was praying so hard and I was looking through passages and I began reading this passage right there, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, For our conversation is in heaven. Our conversation. Do you know that that word that's translated conversation in our Bibles can be translated citizenship? Same word. For our citizenship is in heaven. Now, Paul, as he's beginning this, this actually coming to an end of this conversation with the church at Philippi that he was writing from prison, and he'd be giving these warnings, and in the verses just before that, he's talking about being an example to them because that there are so many out there that in his words, he said, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. In other words, there are all those out there that their minds, their attentions, their citizenship is in this earth and these earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. It is the exact opposite. They are enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you just to think on this thought. I'm going to give you four points just from these verses 20 and 21 here this morning, God willing, about a heavenly citizenship, a heavenly citizenship. Now remember, a citizen is one that is either a native or naturalized, owing allegiance to, but also entitled the protection from that same government. We find that if you look in just a few pages earlier in your Bible, the book of Ephesians. Notice what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, and you. 
hath he quickened, hath he made alive. He's made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in a time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan in other words, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our, there's that word again, <laughs> our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Exactly what Paul just described to Philippi for those that were contrary to those that were citizens of heaven, just doing that which was good for them, that felt good to them. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hand. In other words, every one of you that he's talking about now that has been made alive, that he's quickened in the Lord Jesus Christ, that has been saved by grace through the faith that you put in his work. Remember where you came from. Remember that you used to be part of that other group, the uncircumcision, the non-believers. That at that time, ye were without Christ. Listen, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, now... You're an alien to this world. There was a time when you were an alien to God's country, to God's economy. He says, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. You're brought near. By the blood of Christ. For he, Jesus Christ, is our peace. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself twain one new man, so making peace. Keep that thought in mind make in himself of what was two one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that are nigh, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more 
strangers and foreigners. You were a stranger, a foreigner, an alien to God's economy. Now you're no more those strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. None of us have always been citizens of God's economy, citizens of heaven. We were citizens of this world. We were the enemies of the cross. We were those that were the foreigners and strangers to God's economy, but now in Jesus Christ, we're the foreigners to the earth, to the world, and we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of God's economy. You see, when I showed you these two passports, at one time, they weren't two separate passports. At one time, we would have all had these because at one time, the United States was simply a British colony on another land. You see, in actual fact, that's what the church is. It's God's colony here upon earth. <laughs> We're part of him. We're citizens with God. We're part of his economy, but we are here upon this earth as a colony of the Lord's. We won't turn there for the sake of time, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Even here, we are representatives of our sovereign in heaven to this earth. We're here as his representatives. We find that one thing that's interesting, though, is here on this earth is that some people can change from one citizenship to another by what's known as being naturalized. They weren't born. Their origin wasn't from that country, but they become a citizen of that country. You might think, well, you know, to become a citizen of heaven, he's saying, well, you used to be from there, but now you're from here. But there's something really exciting about that that can only happen with God because, you see, if, if I wanted to turn that one in and be naturalized and get one of these red ones instead, maybe I just like the color red better or whatever, but I know one thing, they want about a 1,000 pounds for me to get one of those, and I haven't seen it was worth it yet, but... Uh, but if I wanted to do that, I could. I could apply for naturalization and I could get my red passport showing that I was then a citizen here and then I could have made my vote count on Thursday, which I couldn't. But I would be different. My origins, my roots are still there. That's where I came from. But there's something very interesting when we, when we look in Scripture and how this happens because look back with me, if you would, into the Gospel of John chapter 15. And notice, notice what it says in John chapter 15 and verse 19. He says, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now, Jesus Christ speaking these words, he just did something that no nation, no sovereign on this earth could ever do. Because when he says there, if ye were of this world, that word of, if you trace it back, it means origins. If, you, if your origin 
was of this world, then the world would love you. But because you are not, because your origins are not of this world, because I've chosen you out of the world. You see, the thing that's different, you can't be a naturalized citizen of heaven. God creates a new creation. Your origins change. You're no longer, your origins are no longer of this earth. They are of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You're created a new individual. No nation on earth can do that. But God can. <laughs> you see, do you notice those words there? They're on the board. He says, for our conversation, what's the next word? Is, it's not was, and it's not will be when Jesus comes back for us, is. I want you to know right now, if you are a child of God, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now in the present, you are a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen. Right now, your conversation, your citizenship is in heaven. In Jesus Christ, we have a new beginning. In Jesus Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want you to know today that a heavenly citizenship for a child of God is a present citizenship right now. But I've got to move. Much could be said there. But secondly, notice the next words. He says, not only for our conversation is in heaven, he says, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, you are a citizen of heaven. That is a present reality, but there's also the perpetual expectation from whence also we look for our Savior. While, if you are a citizen of heaven, the natural thing after that is that you will continually be looking for your sovereign, for your king, the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul, when writing to young Titus, he tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, where? In this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, he was teaching the same thing to Titus that right now, you ought to be living a godly life, a Christ-like life right where you are, that everybody that sees you, they see Christ. You've heard me say many times, and I say it again this morning, why could Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate, when he was getting ready to leave this world in John chapter 14, why could he say greater works than these shall ye do because I go unto the Father? Because that same Jesus would take up residence in you and he would use you, your body, in the flesh on this earth. That same Jesus, you see, the same Jesus that went away is the same Jesus that's coming back. We find that in Acts chapter 1, when he departed this world, the Bible tells us there in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, 
As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. I'm saying to you, the same Jesus that went away. It's the same Jesus is coming back, and there's so many passages that we could turn to to look at that, but I just want to skip over some of them, and I want to give you one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Why is that? Well, I've, I've, I've taught you all the Why do the dead get a head start on us? Why do they rise first? They've got six foot further to go. They've got to start if we're going to all go up because he says we're going to all be going up together. He says, the trump of God of the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Today, one of the greatest comforts that I can offer to you today. <laughs> you know, even Jesus, in John chapter 14, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That's the promise that he's given to us. That's the same thing that the Bible is teaching us here. The day is going to come when I want to tell you, folks, I don't even know the proper name for them in, in England as long as I've lived here, but we used to call them steam shovels. Man, it's going to look like the steam shovels just went crazy in some of these cemeteries. Because all those dead, they're going to rise right out of the graves. But we're going to leave this earth and all together we're going to meet our Lord in the air. A heavenly citizenship, it means that right now, as a child of God, you're just a foreigner, you're an alien. You know, one of the things most people would not have to hear me say more than a handful of words, they'd know I was a foreigner. They know I'm not British. <laughs> and people ask me, say, how could you live here all those years and still sound like that? <laughs> well, ask Sister Emma back there. You should have heard me before. <laughs> you should hear how the rest of my family speaks. <laughs> you think I sound funny now. And, of course, some of you have heard some of them. The truth is, is that, you know, we, as a foreigner, we tend to talk funny. You know, we can all understand Brother Daniel and Sister Daniela, but... You know, you can tell with that Romanian accent, they're not British, they're not from here. Some of you are the same same way. I mean, you know, Rivka's been here for her whole life just about. But she's still got part of that Dutch accent. <laughs> and we can look right around here because there are many, many different nationalities, even in this congregation this morning. Foreigners talk different. And you know, our cultures sometimes are different. We... We begin to get more like each other and begin to adjust. And I've always said that, you know, when I move to Britain, I shouldn't expect Britain to act like America. I need to learn to live like the British. And I've tried to do that. 
But the thing is, there's some things that are just there that have been embedded into you that you don't even know that they're there that you say that everybody looks like you because they really see your ignorance and how stupid you are. And it all sounds silly and all these different things. But what I want you to understand is this. You're a foreigner. If you're a child of God, it doesn't matter what the governments do down here. Your allegiance, your protector is in heaven. And if you're looking, if, if you're a, a citizen of heaven, presently, you're perpetually looking for your king. You're looking for him to come back. You know that he's coming back. Thirdly, I want you to know that sometimes you get a little worried. You know, if it's just like when our dear friends from America were coming to stay with us. Well, you know, some of you know that since the first of the year, our house has been absolutely in turmoil with stripping the walls and replastering the walls and repainting the walls and recarping. And it's, it's, it's been interesting, to say the least, to try to live in the same house that we were doing all these things too. Well, they probably would have canceled their plane tickets if they could have even seen our house the week before. <laughs> I, I had warned Sister Emma, and she said, well, as long as there's a roof over my head and you've got an inside toilet, that I'll be okay. And I said, well, I think the roof is mostly there, but I can't promise about the toilet. You know? <laughs> what am I saying? You know, we wanted, not because we didn't think that, you know, <laughs> we've known them too long. I mean, they were stuck with us before you guys got stuck with us over here. Um, I've got pictures we were looking at not too long ago because for a long time, the outside dramas, Melinda was always Mary in the, in the outdoor pageant that we did, and we kept delivering the babies every couple of years so there'd be a baby in the manger for the live baby in the scene for the, uh, for the manger scene. But the thing is, is that we just wanted things to be at least comfortable and decent for them. Well, I can promise you, you know, if you knew the queen were coming to pay you a visit next week, you'd at least want to tidy the house. <laughs> you'd want things to be in order before that they came to see. And, and I think sometimes, listen, we're all human. As Christians, I think sometimes, oh, man. You know, as much as I want to see the Lord come back, there's things, boy, you know, I wouldn't be totally happy if the Lord found me like this or if I was thinking this or thinking that or Am I going to really be ready to stand face-to-face -face with Jesus? Well, notice, notice the next words here. He says, for our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is, as believers right now, presently in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, where we are perpetually looking for his coming back. He says, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. You see, the truth is, is that I can be okay knowing that I'm a citizen of heaven, that I'm just part of a foreign colony on this earth looking for the return of my king because of his power, not mine. So if you're taking notes, we've got a present citizenship. We've got a perpetual expectation, a powerful Lord who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Uh, that's not evolution. That's instantaneous creation. We've looked through our whole series on, on Genesis, and we covered a lot of those things just like in the beginning. 
You see, that's the power of God. We know we have a present struggle. I won't turn back and read it. In Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul is going through, why, oh, why? Why do I not do the things that I know that I should do? Why do I do the things that I know that I should not do? I mean, this is the great apostle, and he's still free. He knows. He keeps messing up. Life is a struggle sometimes. But we don't want it to be. The difference is, remember the story I told you about the little girl that went before the presbytery? They weren't quite sure she understood what it was all about, and she was wanting to become a member of the church. And as she went to talk to them, they said, well, how do you know that you're a Christian? She said, I only know how to explain it this way. Before I got saved, I was chasing after sin. Since I got saved, sin's chasing after me. <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> you know, we do struggle. We do mess up. We do falter. But our confidence is in the Lord. It's in Him. We find that the very last book of the Bible in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible tells us there in, in, in verse 18, he says, For I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Your destiny is not in your hands. It's in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. The question for you is are you going to face God in yourself or in Him? Jesus was a dead, but He's alive. In Him, you will be alive also. He's the one that has the power to make sure. Of course, you know that from my favorite chapter of all the book in Romans chapter 8, I just want to remind you this morning that if you are a child of God, then you are right now a citizen of heaven, not of this world. And you will perpetually, continually be expecting and looking for him, but you're trusting in his power and not your own. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35, says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our powerful Lord. That's where our confidence lies. 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, great, great resurrection chapter. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, notice beginning in verse 40. He says, therefore, 
There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Listen. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as the earthy, such as they are also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the, is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A heavenly citizenship means a present citizenship. It means a, a perpetual expectation of the return of our King, of our Sovereign. It means a powerful Lord. He's the one. He's the one. All your incorruption, or all your corruption is going to put on incorruption. He's the one that's going to bring about the change. And I want to give you this thought in closing. The last words there. For our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who when he comes shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That's your perfect assurance this morning. You see, it's understandable when you begin to buy into the lies of this world. You see, for many, many times, people have tried to get the church to come to some kind of a compromise and believe in uh, evolution and creation and everything at the same time. Well, the problem with that is just that their God isn't big enough. People say, well, how in the world could God create everything that is in six literal days? I'm saying, why in the world? What's wrong with you? 
I'm surprised he took as long as he did. <laughs> all he had to do was speak it and it was done. He was teaching us, giving us examples, setting all kinds of patterns and taking the six days and resting on the seventh. But what I want you to know is this. You see, you have to believe in a lesser God to believe in evolution. You have to believe that a God didn't do it, couldn't do it the way that he says that he did it in his word. That's sad. Do you believe that he can subdue all things unto himself? Do we believe that our God is really that big and that powerful? I don't have time to read it all this morning. I'm going to read you just the first paragraph of what Dr. John Phillips says in his book, Exploring Philippians. Speaking on this passage, he says, Think of the complexity of a single human body or even a single cell. One molecule of hemoglobin, the protein in the blood that carries oxygen to every part of the body, contains 3,032 atoms of carbon, 4,812 atoms of hydrogen, 780 atoms of nitrogen, 4 atoms of iron, 880 atoms of oxygen, and 12 atoms of sulfur. Now, I didn't go counting all of mine to make sure they were all present. I'm taking his word for it. But he says all 9,520 atoms have to be hooked to each other in a certain order and in exactly the right way just to make one molecule that is essential for physical life. And he says if one cell has all that, and then he goes on to go through the entire body, which is quite something, but the miracle of God, that we should even be here at all is a miracle, that life even exists is a miracle, that we should live again and live forever is even greater and more unbelievable. The God that made us, the God that created us from nothing, believe me, he can make us again. We brought the corruption when sin entered into the garden, death came with it. We've just recently looked at all of that. We find that unbelief looks at the corpse but faith looks at the creator. Unbelief sees a dead body in a coffin, but faith sees a risen, triumphant, omnipotent Christ that is promised to raise us again as well. He is the unconditional guarantee of your belief today. The believer, the assurance that we have is God's assurance. Many people today they're basing their salvation on so many things, on their, their feelings and their emotions and their religiosity and how many times they've gone to church and what they've done for this one and what they've done for that one, and none of that matters. Today, with all that's happening in this world of politics, let me say to you, if your only citizenship is founded in this world, if the only passport that you have is a blue one or a red one or a green one or whatever color that it might be, it's going to be worthless when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. I promise you. And a visa won't get it. <laughs> there are no temporary visits. There's no work visits. You're in or you're out, and only the citizens are allowed <laughs> today. Today. When we lose those that we love so dearly, if our faith and confidence was only the citizenship they had in this world, 
And the Bible says <laughs> that if our faith doesn't go beyond that, we're a pitiable people. <laughs> we have no hope. Our hope is in Jesus today. You can have all the hope. And my plea to you this morning is don't let it based on anything. If there's never, you don't get saved by accident. You don't grow into it. It doesn't just kind of catch you by surprise. The conviction may catch you by surprise. Today, it's really simple. Do you realize that you, just like every other human being, you sinned? The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Today, unless there's been a point in your life it didn't have to be in church. It could have been anywhere, as a matter of fact. But there's two people that had to be present, you and God. <laughs> Unless you humbled yourself before that holy God, <laughs> said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know, I know that there's nothing I can do about it. I simply ask for your mercy. Because I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood to pay for my sins. And I believe that when they put that body in the grave three days later, he rose victorious over death, over hell, over grave. He rose that I might have life and that I might have it forever. You see, in the end, you and you alone must ask God for his mercy and there's only one way to his grace, and that's by faith, by believing. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want you to know today, Brother Peter, it doesn't matter who we lose in this life when we know that their citizenship was in heaven, praise God, and we know that our citizenship is in heaven. But I got news for you today. Whether it's Sister Diane or anybody else that leaves this world, if you don't have a citizenship in heaven right now, there's no guarantee of you ever seeing her again. But praise God, one day, <laughs> I'm looking forward to rejoicing with her. And those that have gone on before that I know had their citizenship there today. How big is your God? How big is your faith? You know, he says, even the faith of a grain of mustard seed, do you believe, do you recognize that you're lost? Do you realize and know that if you call upon Jesus today by faith, you know, I've told you before, <laughs> I, I, I shared with you in, in my own testimonies, I, I don't remember a word that I prayed when I was in that altar. But I sure remember what was taking place in my heart. Has there come a time in your heart that you accepted your sinfulness and you trusted in Jesus Christ? Every head bowed, every eye closed. As Shelley comes to the piano, we're going to sing our closing hymn. In just a moment, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to keep you long. I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you here today? You don't have that absolute certainty of knowing that you're saved and that your citizenship is in heaven. Would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me, preacher? I don't know that for certain, and I would appreciate your prayers this morning. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone, anywhere, you don't have that certainty. God sees your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else, be honest with yourself, be honest with God. God sees your hand. 
Anyone else anywhere? You don't know. Is there someone here this morning that you know that you're a citizen of heaven, but you have to admit that as a foreigner and an alien in this country, you've been more concerned about fitting in here than you have representing him. And you'd like to slip your hand up and say, pray for me, preacher. I know that I'm saved, but I haven't been representing my Lord like I should. Would you pray for me? God sees your hand. God sees your hand. You can put it down. You've got to be honest with yourself and you've got to be honest with God. You'll leave here in the same condition you came in, but you don't have to. God's here for you this morning. Father, you've seen every hand that's been raised this morning, and you know the ones that maybe should have but didn't. But Lord, first of all, I want to pray for these that have raised their hand, these that don't have the certainty of knowing that they're saved, that their citizenship is in heaven. Lord, today in the, in the midst of all this turmoil and this life, the uncertainties all around us with the politics and the economies, the uncertainties of our leadership and all of those things that go in hand with that, Lord, the struggles of having to say goodbye to those that we love so dear, all just knowing <laughs> that our citizenship isn't here anyway, it's in heaven. That's what really matters. That's what can give us that assurance. So this morning, for these that don't have that assurance, I pray that you'd help them. Help them not to leave here with those uncertainties still there. Help them, even as we sing this morning, to come to let someone take the Word of God and show them how they can know that they can be saved, to pray with them. For these Christians, Lord, that they know that they just have not been living up to their duties as a citizen of heaven. They've not been representing you as they ought to. Lord, help them not just to push you aside and leave here again today. We need to be serious about this. We have limited time and people around us are dying and going to hell every day. Lord, you've left us here to make a difference. So, Father, with these today, I pray that you would help them that maybe they just need to come and maybe they just need to kneel before you and before this people and say, hey, I haven't been representing Jesus like I should, but I sure want to do a better job. Help them not to leave here today and Satan get the victory by keeping them where they are. We pray that you'd work in the hearts, Lord, as only you can. Of course, in Christ's name we pray, amen. We're going to sing the words to this song that says, Room at the Cross for You. And you know, there is room at the cross for you today. If you're here and you're unsaved, don't let the devil get the victory. Don't leave here today not knowing. Step out right now. Come down. Let someone take you to the side. There's chairs over here. We won't embarrass anybody. Let someone talk with you. Let someone pray with you. Christians, if God's spoken to you, give the devil a real black eye this morning. Say, yes, I know I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm going to represent my king even better.